Woodstock, Deadheads, The Village, Kate Ashbury, Counterculture, Women's Lib, Karma, Enlightenment. Sound familiar or sound foreign? That's okay. Join us, the two old bogey yogis, as we reminisce, discuss our spiritual paths, and explore all things yoga, meditation, and more. Your hosts each week are Swami Yashokananda and Reverend Prem, who between us have nearly a hundred years of living La Vida Integral Yoga. And that's what makes us the two, two old bogey yogis. In a previous episode, we talked about satya, truth, the second of the five yamas, which are part of the ethical precepts of the classical yoga system. But we felt that there's maybe more to explore with satya, more to say about this really fundamental precept. So today, we'll expand on this discussion in light of how satya can inform our interpersonal communication style. Let's begin. Okay, so Satya, let's just remind our listeners, we're in book two. Right. In Sutra 36. Okay. Satya, to one established in truthfulness, actions and their results become subservient. When we were talking about Satya, we went into different aspects about the value of truthfulness. The path of yoga, I'm realizing more and more, is it's all about truth. The highest truth, relative truth, how they work together or don't, being true to ourselves, faithful to our spiritual paths, being honest and forthright in the expression of who we are and our Mm. interpersonal relationships. I mean, I think we could talk forever about this. Yeah. Starting with this idea of higher level truth, I've been really reflecting on recently as I do a deep dive into non-dualism from Gurudev's own family tradition. I want to say the tradition in which he was raised, which is the Shaiva tradition, Shaiva Siddhanta, Shaiva Yoga. In this tradition, you have higher level truth or what's sometimes called first order reality and then your relative level truth or second order reality. So in relative truth and relative reality, there's, we've talked about this before. It's something like something can be real, but not true. For example, let's say I have a feeling you're upset with me. And depending on our relationship, I might say to you, Hey, what's going on? Uh, Or I might feel hesitant to talk to you. Yeah. And if I'm hesitant, I may continue to feel a deeper and deeper sense of like upsetness about what's going on or what I'm feeling. And that whole thing can escalate into like a whole story that I experience is true. Let's make the distinction. My feelings are real, Mm -hmm. right? Feelings are real and it's not healthy or useful for me to invalidate my feelings or someone else to do that. And at the same time, those feelings might not be true in the larger scope. Like I might sit down and talk to you and you might say, hey, I'm not upset with you. Oh, I know what you, okay, you probably picked up on, you know, the other day I wasn't really feeling well. Uh, I might've been a little short in our interaction. Something that illuminates this idea that what I was feeling was what I was feeling that you can't argue with. And it wasn't based on the whole truth, the whole picture. 
first, let's kind of paint this picture. So we're really clear about when we talk about truth that when I'm referring to it, I'm referring to it in terms of non-duality. So in Patanjali Yoga Sutras, that's based in Samkhya philosophy, which is a dualistic system. Mm -hmm. And even more interesting is that our guru, Swami Satchidananda, taught the whole system of yoga as being a non-dual system. How does Patanjali Yoga fit in? We can get into that. Okay, good. And this is the beauty of his tradition, because this is what Shaiva Yoga really does. It really does this beautiful integration where duality and non-duality are not at odds with each other. They're just two aspects of one truth. Mm -hmm. So in the relative level, that's called Laulikasat or lower level second order reality. And that is the whole material world, right? What we would call in yoga, Prakriti, everything that is manifest in form is relative truth, relative reality. And then we have the higher level of truth, Paramatika Sat, which Gurudev explained, this is the absolute level of truth and reality, which doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate. It's true all time, all places and all circumstances. And this one truth can have many expressions as he famously explained, right? Many paths to the one truth. But the tr the one truth reference here is the truth of cosmic consciousness or pure consciousness, Brahman, luminous awareness, or God, whatever name we give. Mm -hmm. And we are of the same essence as that one. We're not different in our essence nature. What's different is the expression, right? In the relative reality. Okay. It may not be that useful to talk about truth with a capital T, since if we're mostly living in this small T level. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's where also truth comes in. Can I talk about something that I had, that can't be spoken of really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the minute you speak about truth with a capital T, you're lying about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if we bring the full understanding and that's the idea. It's like you say, it's really hard to put into words and what's the lived feeling yeah. of this highest level truth. Well, one way we can see it is in our interpersonal relationships and how we navigate those, right? So in the example that I gave, let's say I'm feeling some kind of way. I kind of create a story about it. Right. I have to ask myself, what can I do for my end? I can ask myself, how accurate do I think this is? Mm -hmm. Right. So how can I know what's true about our conversation that we have that, that sort of seemed to spark something? So first I have to know what's true for me. This is an interesting aspect of Satya that maybe we don't think about a lot. How truthful can I be on a regular basis? Not just in my interaction with you, but in all of my life, throughout everything that happens, how truthful can I feel about myself, my feelings, my thoughts, my perceptions? How accurate are they? How in tune am I? How in alignment am I with truth? How do I gauge that? How does it feel in my body when I feel something or when I'm listening to somebody else? In fact, I think that we can tune into Satya a little more easily without our mind. Like what's the feeling or sensation that may arise prior to any words or thoughts I might formulate 
write about what I'm feeling or you might be saying to me. What's the feeling prior to words, thoughts, stories? And what does it even feel like to be me? How much time has anybody spent thinking, hmm, what does it feel like to be me? That's so beautiful. Yeah, if you can get to the place before you start using the mind to understand what's going on. Yeah. You may get closer to a more truth of reality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the question. How accurate can I be about receiving what you are communicating to me? If I just react to your communication by saying or feel, let's say I think I feel, but maybe I'm not really tuned into my feelings. I'm just, I'm feeling something. I don't have the words for it. And so then I say, you did this to me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. you you don't understand me or you yeah, disrespected yeah. me. Yeah, right? you're a victim. I'm the villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but really, I got to ask myself, how true is that? I mean, first of all, I can't determine or know your reality, really. Right. I mean, I can know you, but do I know everything about you and what my have gone on that day that led you to say such and such? I don't know. I can only ever represent my own perspective and feelings. But even to represent our own perspective and feelings, we have to have some serious practice that allows us to see everything that's coming up. We, we very rarely get to see it. It's it's, oper- it's operating behind closed doors most of the time. Yes, exactly. So, uh, right. we, it's very hard to be honest if you can't even see it. Yeah. Oh my so gosh. I think that the idea of, of seeing has to be united with some capacity to of awareness. Yeah. You have to, of, yeah. Of really honest self-reflection. I mean, yeah. isn't that also when we think of Satya, what do you what usually do we say? Well, if someone's teaching this particular yama, we say, oh, you know, so don't lie, right? <laughs> yeah, factual truth, yeah. Factual truth, be honest. Yeah. What other things people who teach the yoga sutras might say about that? But it's I'm, mostly, mostly around that, yeah. Yeah, so then I wonder, do we ever talk about cultivating self-awareness enough that we can be as accurate as possible in yeah. who we are, what we're feeling, what's motivating us. I never really thought about how prior to yoga, I really feel like I was clueless. If I was having some interaction, it would never cross my mind to think, um, hmm, now I wonder what my part in that. Now, what am I really feeling? What am I trying to say here? It was a life of reactivity, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did, what did he say? What did it make me feel like? Why do I feel this way? Can I come in touch with all that? And then, yeah. I, then I do think it is, if you care enough about the person, it is useful to say, I had this hypothesis that you uh, are angry at me about something. It's I, but we don't know if it's true. We're testing it out. You yes, know? Yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think this is the skill. Yeah, so it's a skill, it would, yeah. It's a skill that you have to cultivate. And it would go something like, Ashokanandaji, may I speak with you a moment? So first uh, of all, yeah, you know, yeah. you should ask first, yeah. would you be open to talking about something because I've been feeling some kind of way and I need some help with this. 
So I'm yeah. taking responsibility. And yeah. then I can say something like, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable about our last communication. I noticed after we last spoke, I began to feel maybe you were judging me about what I shared. And I started to feel bad and kind of have a story about this. And I know this is my story. I'm not sure that I believe it. Or you could say- <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I believe it. Or you could say, I kind of believe it, or I'm finding it hard not to believe it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to believe it. And so- I'm that, a little bit caught in it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to hear what you are feeling and how you see it. That would be so helpful. We should tape that. Should, whoever's listening to this podcast should tape that because like I feel zero defensiveness that way. Wow. I'm totally open to responding to you because you haven't put me, you haven't blamed me for anything. Right. So I don't have to justify myself or uh, defend myself. So I think that's the only way we can discover a deeper reality. If I tell you, Ashokananji, you know, I really feel disrespected by you. Then the other person can, like you, can say back to me, hey, I'm not disrespecting you. That's your problem. (laughs) Exactly. Now, what just happened there? Let's look at that. What just happened? Yeah, I'm a disrespectful person. Uh, Yeah, I've I've labeled you a disrespectful person. You now feel defensive. Not only do you feel defensive, you've just invalidated my feelings. (laughs) Yeah. And it would be the worst. You said, you never respect me. (laughs) And I say, remember that time three years ago? I'll come up with some reason sometime when I respected you. Yeah. 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 I heard this, I think from Christopher Wallace Harish. Okay. And he said, if someone can argue back when you're telling them something that you see about them, if they can, that you're feeling and you see about them and you think that they cause that feeling in you, right? If someone can argue back about it, you have not stated a truth. What would truth sound like? Truth gets very specific. It's not global. You really upset me. You disrespected me. You don't treat me right. You did this to me. There's no specificity there. It's and usually, so... it usually comes with always and never. Right. <laughs> absolutes, you know. Yeah, absolutes and yeah. global. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. A global <laughs> pandemic. <Yeah>. A global <laughs> pandemic of interpersonal <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're living in that global interpersonal It gets pretty bad, right? Yeah. What we're trying to get to is our own truth. And of course, right talk in I mm-hmm, language. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, that's basic communication 101, right? right? I feel hurt or unsafe because I want you to acknowledge my needs or boundaries, or I feel a sinking feeling in my stomach when I'm unsure about how you're seeing me. And I start to tell myself a story that you're judging me or you don't care about me. So that's getting real down to the nitty gritty of really what is the truth of how I'm feeling versus a veiled, vague judgment or accusation, right? So it's my truth versus my interpretation of someone someone (laughs) else's behavior. Yeah. I don't know if you realize it, but you just gave the perfect example of a 
Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. Oh, wow. He, yeah, because he, he says you approach it with, I feel, and you, you want to be very specific, dash, I feel, try to really nail what you feel. Mm-hmm. I feel dash because, and normally we say you. <laughs> <laughs> And he's yeah, that's the that. ball. Wait, wait, I'm doing an I statement, but it's going to always be followed <laughs> by you. <laughs> but that's what you just did. You said, I feel something because I, that diffuses so many things. Yeah. Because there's no accusation that because I, and I need your help to feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, to feel better, to make my way through this or to understand really what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, you're always coming from this non-judgmental description of someone else's behavior in relation to you. So you're not accusatory, right? You're not assigning causation to the person because that's what triggers defensiveness. Wait a minute. I didn't cause you to do that. I didn't do that. I mean, whether the person did or didn't, it's not going to be helpful because it's all it's going to do is trigger their defenses. You did this to me. What's the person going to feel? Where? How do they come back from that? All they come back from is like, no, I didn't. <laughs> There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> All right, so let's we're talking about Satya. So uh, let's get real about Satya. Okay. Someone wanted me to help them in a situation with someone else, and I I don't like to play the middleman. I've been burned too many times. So were you supposed to be like sort of in a either formally or informally in the role of a mediator? Not yet. I was just supposed to speak to the other person and oh. see find find out what's going on. I see. And then yeah. report back to the and other report, person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I didn't want to do it. Uh, and someone advised me to say, you know, you don't have to do it. That's, they're adults. What them, I felt so relieved by that. <laughs> yeah. But, but then the person came back to me who wanted to help and said, it's really getting bad and it's really affecting things here. And you suggested, right? Well, why don't you both come together and I can be there also? No. I suggested she find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't want to do it. Find someone else. <laughs> and, she, and she said, okay, let me think about somebody else. A day or two went by. It just became more and more clear to me. I don't know, something in my conscience or maybe the small, quiet voice of the guru. You're the mm. person who has to do this. Uh-huh. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I think you're the person who's supposed to do this. I said, okay, yeah, my disciple or my I Do I listen to that voice or not? So it took me a few days to build up my readiness to say to the person, uh, uh, can I speak to you about the situation you're having with this person? And we set a date. I took copious notes about how to, like we're talking now, about how to have a a difficult conversation. Yeah. Uh, Because I was also getting more and more angry at this person for their lack of responsiveness to the first person. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, I was, I, now I was a, a player because I was upset. By wow. this. Yeah. So, yeah. so I went in there and I did a picture perfect introduction and getting things going and I'm all in the right groove. And I don't know, it turned on a dime when we started screaming at each other. Wait and- a second. Wait a second. So let's give some names to, cause I'm losing track of people. Let's say. Yeah. John and Joe. Okay. We're having a conflict. John came to you and said, can you talk to Joe? Yeah. Okay. And so, then you're like, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, yeah. But then things are getting worse with Joe. You're sort of getting pulled into this. So then you say to John, I'll talk to Joe. Is that what happened? Or was it, I'll bring John and Joe together and I will mediate? No, I'll talk to Joe. Uh, I don't want to do it. I thought I could avoid it, but. Okay. 
but uh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Which is what John wanted you to do originally and you didn't want to do, but then you felt maybe you should do that. Right. Okay. Some, some part of me recognized that. Uh, okay. And, and that, I think that's what we're talking about. That was the truth. I really felt it had the ring of truth. I was the one who was supposed to overcome my chicken heartedness <laughs> and do this service. Yeah. So I prepared for it and we started off really well. It got a little bit heated and then it went to full furnace heat. Now, let and me understand this, though. You, in the beginning, were not in this. It was just between John and Joe. But like I said, I was also starting to get more angry at, this, at, uh, at Joe. Joe at Joe for Joe's behavior uh-huh. and, and the way Joe was dealing with John. I see. And so that started building and that kind of came along with you into the yeah. conversation. Yeah. And it was and- a pa- it's a pattern of Joe. And I felt I felt to deal with this incident wasn't enough. I had to deal with the pattern. You said you did some preparation. Yeah. D- did you feel clear enough about your own part in this, like where you were in it, what you wanted to bring to it, how you saw it going, that kind of a thing? Yeah. A few days before, in my morning meditation, I spent a good amount of time getting caught in a repetitive tape loop about my anger towards Joe. Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, oh, no, am I going to spend my meditation, my whole meditation on this? Uh, I, I didn't I didn't sit here for that. Yeah. And, and I was able to extract myself and I was able to get to a place. It didn't feel like spiritual bypassing. I got to a place where beneath the mind, I could feel connectedness and I could understand that everybody's doing their best with what they have. Everyone's doing their best. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I got to a different place and that's lasted. I said, that's the way I'm going to walk into this conversation. Ah, So that was the sort of state of being and consciousness. You wanted to walk into that room to talk to Joe with. It was a little bit of a capital T truth. I could feel what non-dualism could feel like that. You know, I'm not that different from him. I had a, a, almost like a kinesthetic sense of how I should feel in this conversation. Wow. But the interesting thing is how, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, unresolve some scars with the right trigger, despite all your spiritual preparation, yeah, all your practice, all your years of learning the teaching will be pushed to the side and this other thing will come through. And that's your truth then. You have to, (laughs) you're cursing, using four letter words, you're yelling. Uh, Another person was here at the ashram and they they, they poked their head and they ran out. They couldn't believe what was going on. But at the end, we really sat there, took a few breaths required for maybe two minutes and then started understanding what happened. At the end, we hugged and said, we said, I love you. And we reached a a, a deeper truth where where I'm closer to this person now this was just like two days ago, but I feel closer to this person. I liberated so much energy for myself. Wow. So there's something around satya in all this. I think there's a lot of satyas in this in this story. I think the satya was that in my meditation, my negative feelings toward the person were really a truth that I had to acknowledge. Yeah. So your negative feelings toward Joe were, re- were real. They were there. Yeah. Maybe you didn't want to look at that before, but now... In this sort of quiet calm of the meditation field, it's the opportunity to recognize it's the beauty of meditation of what is true for you. Yeah. Joe is a friend, a person who I respect, and I have all this negative feelings. I don't want to feel that way. I'm a Swami. Why am I feeling this way? And two, I don't want to spend my meditation this way. Yeah. 
But that was a truth that I had to face. Because of, of my years of practice, I was able to finally say, wouldn't it be good to, to work this out later if you really want to come back to it? But now let's, let's use this meditation time. And, and I got out of that repetitive tape loop of thinking about Joe. Which is, I mean, that is no small thing. We should put an asterisk on that because yeah. even though meditation, we're trying to right, attune and open more to that pure consciousness, you know, the gap between the thoughts right. and really feel our essence nature. It's like the ocean that holds all the thoughts and perceptions and judgments, which mm. is like the waves and the the mist and the bubbles and the whatever on the surface. And our essence nature is that quiet, unmoving, unchanging, mm. peaceful depth of the ocean. And sometimes the things that are falling into that ocean, like pieces of plastic, are yeah. things that in the contrast of the quiet, we can see when other times we may not see it. And I think it's an amazing skill to be able to see those things arise, which are the vrittis, the waves. And some of them are things we need to pay attention to. I remember Gurudev talking about that, that sometimes in meditation, there's things that arise and you can't get back to the focus on the mantra or dwelling in that peaceful mm -hmm, right. abiding. So it's okay to pay attention to that. And then once you really get a sense of what's going on with yourself that's calling for your attention, I think there's a distinction between just mindless chatter of the mind, right? Which is just its nature, this movement and flow and constant arising, just like the nature of the ocean is on its surface movement. And then there's maybe a time when you understand what's coming up for you that with the skill that you've described, you can note it, mental note, okay, didn't recognize that before. Good information, important information. And I'm now going to put that aside to work with later and come back to my meditation. That's kind of how the process goes for you. Yeah. It was important information, but you know, you're starting to repeat yourself now. I think I think I got I got the information. Oh, now, okay. now it's more than information. Now, yeah. now you're stuck in something. And uh, like you were saying, you're stuck in like this thought loop. Yeah. We still have time in this meditation. Would you enjoy getting beneath the surface of all this? And I did. And beneath the surface actually is, an, is another truth. And I felt how I could understand that Joe is really doing the best that he can. I didn't think it. I understood it. Hmm. And that's where you were saying you were sort of tapping into the non-dual truth that you and Joe are essentially the same. I could feel that. And in that ocean place, yeah, it's one continuous flow of awareness. Uh, and I felt so much lighter about Joe. So that was another, that's the second truth. The first truth is that Joe is really on my nerves. Right. The other truth is that Joe's doing his best and Joe's not really separate from me. Yeah. And then the, the third truth was all the preparation I did to have a good conversation that would be useful to both of us. I really tried to 
understand myself, understand that people don't do well when they're put on the defensive. I really want to understand how, how Joe sees it. I really want to get to the truth of this. And I did work with that for my for the opening, let's say, 12 minutes or so. And then it'd be good for me to, to know, you know, what exactly triggered it. Yeah, I was going to say, what, yeah. what, what caused the shift where it sort of started to go off the rails for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Joe is very clear. He would not and would never speak to John. Whoa. So he sort of laid down an ultimatum. This is it. That was, that was was Joe's truth. I'm telling you the truth. I will not and will never. And this person is really a bad person. So Joe is saying John is really a bad person and I want nothing to do with John. Right. Okay. And are you getting the feeling from Joe that he wants you to be on his side? Oh yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you're right. Was he looking for that or were you able to sort of sense what it was that he was trying to have you see or do in relation to this? You know, I don't think uh, Joe was trying to convince me. I think Joe understood that I've said it, you know, I have such a good good relationship with John. We have such meaningful conversations. The person's working so hard to do the right thing. So it's more like Joe is trying to convince you that it's fine. You have your relationship with John. Here's the reasons why I'm not going to do what John wants me to do, which is to engage with him. In a sense, Joe's trying to convince you of why he's right to not engage with John and for you to sort of leave it alone now. Exactly. Okay. And I still don't think my temperature went up too much. I was disappointed. I don't, I don't know what, what to do with this now. You were coming in, obviously, with, I want to be balanced. I want to be centered. I, I want to be a clear channel. And then did you also have on your agenda, whether it was conscious or a little less conscious, I want to convince Joe to open up a dialogue with John? It was totally conscious and it was overt. I said, non, non-communication is off the table. Ah. You, can, uh, <laughs> you could leave the situation. You can't just be in the situation and have no communication. Uh, I was conscious and I expressed my consciousness. That's when I think it started getting heated up. When, when I tried to take something off the table that was totally the essence of Joe's strategy. I see. So try, I would say Joe you know, started to get more and more heated. What button did he hit with you that sort of pulled you into the whole thing. So that's when I started talking about, you know, this is a pattern. We can talk about this isolated situation. Uh I don't think we'll find satisfaction in it. I think we have to look at, this is the pattern. And I think this is the work of your lifetime to have to face this pattern of, you think it gives you power to to shun, shun someone and cut them off. And it felt like to get through, I had to start speaking louder and louder and louder. And, and, And there may be truth to that. That's an interesting thing. Hmm. And it did seem like there was, I wasn't crazy about it, but it seemed to have like some value about my volume. <laughs> <laughs> like, like now Joe is starting to pay some attention to what you're saying. Swami Shukananda doesn't raise the volume that often. <laughs> he's raising the volume. Uh, and he's also starting to parrot some of my curse words, Uh-oh. which I've never heard him do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I really don't like saying curse words, you know, but yeah. I was, I was repeating them back to him and I, I didn't care at that point. I don't want to say I lost control that it's, it did feel like there was some, some control there. But it didn't feel like you were doing the thing where Gurudev talks about taking anger out of your pocket. 
No, no, I, I can't. I would be dishonest. That would be a breach inside you to say I took Andrew. But I have to say, after I expressed it, I felt at peace. I wasn't agitated. I felt a little embarrassed, but I didn't get that that heated up feeling of blood boiling that you normally get when yeah. you really start to rage. Maybe you pull things out of the pocket and you're not totally aware of it that it's being pulled out of the pocket. You have to be careful of that because then you just say God was working through me. You know, you have to be careful of all that stuff. Right. In terms of the outcome, I would say God and Guru are working through me. Mm. And it would never be the way I would, Swami Shukananda would want the truth to come out. I have a different vision of, of a holy man and how saintly people deal with these difficult situations. And you were trying your best when you went in with all intention to conduct yeah. it in a very sattvic way, we could say. Yeah. And Joe said he spent the last two days preparing to be, you know, for the conversation, be at peace with the conversation. So, so Joe also did his So best he did stuff. his preparation. You were doing your preparation. Yeah, it turned into a screaming match. Is it possible that some of what triggered some some angry energy on your part was that there may have been an undercurrent prior to sitting down with Joe? Because you say this is a pattern, and maybe it's a pattern that you let slide or you haven't intervened in before, but it's been somewhere in the recesses of your mind and maybe unexpressed. It's kind of the analogy of pressure cooker time. There's just so much pressure the psyche can hold on certain things to when it comes out. I refer to it as sliming someone. Mm -hmm. When we don't take full responsibility for our feelings mm -hmm. and do the necessary to work to either work it through within ourselves or to have as balanced and healthy communications, clean communications with the person we're having issues with, it starts to come out sideways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was a different situation because I have addressed the pattern with the person a number of times Okay. and, and yeah, got nowhere with it. So that's why I said, John, no, no, I can't talk to the person uh, and don't take it personally because it's the pattern. But I can't, I, I can't get involved. Because then, you, because you tried to talk to Joe before and it never went anywhere. In a sense, did you think it was probably going to go nowhere? Or did you think, I think I'm going to be able to turn this around now? Sometimes we do. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we do get a little prideful feeling that I'm feeling very balanced. I know that there's <laughs> you know, the energy yeah. I'm going to bring to this is going to be able to shift this. Was there any kind of sense of that? There were two things going on. One was the definition of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> you get different response. <laughs> and the other was, why get locked into perceiving Joe in a certain way? People yeah. can grow. I'm going to take some responsibility for how I've approached it in the past, and I'm going to do better this time. It wasn't that I'm so thoughtful and I've grown so much that I can help Joe. Okay. I, don't, I, I wasn't that so much. Was, I have faith in Joe, and I've, I've also grown over the time. Let's, let's try it again and not get locked into Joe stuck in this pattern. He's never going to change. I mean, that's a beautiful way to go into a conversation. Seems like so perfectly open, allowing, conducive container for a relationship and for someone to shift how they feel maybe. So I have to ask you the $64,000 question. You're saying that after the blow up, you were able to come back together in a deeper way and embrace 
and all of that. Was there any shift in Joe's decision that he doesn't want anything to do with John? Or was it more you've now put the priority to repairing your relationship with Joe and seeing what else could happen with John down the road? It's something I had wanted to say for a while. I, I said, I think it would be best if you went into therapy around this. So you said to Joe? I said to Joe. Okay. He uh, resisted that. But today he said to me, I am interested in going to therapy. I told John the situation, what happened. And I said, contact Joe, apologize for anything you can apologize for and see what happens and let me know how it goes. I think Joe is going to be open to the first foray of discussion with John. I think I became closer with Joe. I may have gotten some headway with Joe and John. And Joe is open to recognizing that some deep patterns, you need a good therapist to help, even though he's such a devout and spiritual person. Yeah. Sometimes you still need help, you know. Yeah, especially if it's sort of a globalized pattern. It's not just this specific incident. Yeah. Being a spiritual person, even a Swami, doesn't preclude the idea of getting help from a skilled therapist. You know what I'm thinking too, that maybe in the intensity and heat of that interaction you had with Joe, as much as it felt like on your part, maybe not as skillful or why did I go down that path? I'm also ha just having this sense that Joe needed to see the level of your investment in him Maybe, you know, that you were willing to kind of lose your cool and that enter into expressions and language that that you don't usually you don't usually go there. Right. And maybe that conveyed something to him that deep in his psyche, he needed to feel that someone would go to those lengths to get through to him and feel invested enough in him to have an interaction like that, that maybe it did sort of shake something loose within him from that very stuck position. So maybe yeah. it's more skillful than you thought. <laughs> in terms of the outcome, I was a genius. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the methodology or the process, uh, I, I still could grow from that. But I, I, I do think what you're saying is true, that I think that even though the words were harsh and spoken in a, 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 with a loud voice, I think the care was felt. And I think that it did catch Joe's attention. Yeah, in a way that maybe, like you say, if you've spoken to him before, in more balanced, you know, yeah. seemingly balanced in sophic ways. And he yeah. was responsive. Sometimes the old kick in the butt. Routine. Yeah. yeah. I seen Groot have used different methodologies based yeah. on what was needed by the ego. Yeah. Yeah. He used to describe it like the thoroughbred yeah, right, yeah. horse, yeah. you know, with his rider. Not that we're like condoning any kind of animal violence here, yeah. but just imagery of a horse at that level of breed and development just needs a little touch to move in a direction. Whereas if you come all the way down to the line to a donkey, as precious as they are, a little touch is not going to even register. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about a water buffalo. You have to kind yeah. of whack it. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to say Joe's a water buffalo, but... Maybe he's not a water buffalo, but in this instance, in this yeah. thing he's stuck in, he's yeah. like a water buffalo. Yeah, he's in the muck, yeah. He's in the muck and mire, can't yeah. get his, his feet free, yeah. and yeah. he needs a push, a strong yeah. push to help him. Sounds like some energy did get freed up. I hopefully people can see there's different levels of sat in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Different le levels of sat, 
different levels of satya and its application in <laughs> real, real life situations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm hoping that we bring to this podcast is we want to share the philosophy of yoga. We also want to want to be as practical and, and real as possible. So that's why I, I like to bring what's happening with me to these these conversations. Yeah, I think it makes it really rich, really useful for listeners. And we hope you, our listeners, enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and other apps. For more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to integralyoga.org. Om Shanti.